0: Hello everyone, my name is Kayla, and I'm Steph, and
1: welcome to the Witch Story Podcast.
0: Witch Story Podcasts discuss real cases of witch trials, tales, and other stories related to witchcraft. As always, Steph and I are trying our best to shed light on the true histories of witches to the best of our abilities. Before we begin, this episode in particular on the Plum Hollow Witch features some details of a murder case, though not directly involving the mentioned witch, but listener discretion is advised.
1: This week, we have a special guest. Her name is Katie Lamb. Katie Lamb is a very good friend of mine and Kayla's. She was my roommate in university. Katie currently resides and is also from Ottawa as well, um, which is why we thought it was a great idea to bring her on to the podcast today. So warm welcome to
2: Katie. Hello, hello. Hello. It's nice to talk to you guys. It feels like it's been ages.
0: I'm super excited to have you here. Our first guest...
2: Woohoo! sorry everyone if um there's like a high pitch ringing, I'm having some technical issues today but we're gonna pull through and see how we how best we can do this
0: yeah no worries at all uh Katie did you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself
2: uh so a little bit about me yeah I went to Laurier with both Steph and Kayla I was roommates with Steph and I was a girl next door to Kayla and it was just love at first sight
0: (laughs) (laughs) all the food you brought over that was amazing
2: (laughs) Ida
1: is a magnificent cook. Um, Like I could eat her food all day. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to do a big uh, group feast. Yes, never safe again.
2: Whenever we're allowed to.
1: Yeah, I was about to say feast. I would love a feast, just like a nice little picnic or something. Even though I'm you know what? It's going to be a large picnic, a nice, nice big spread, many (laughs) picnic tables full of food. Yes. Yes. Or just a blanket on the ground. I really don't care. I just want to eat
2: the food. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. A little bit more about me, um, I'm currently at Fleming. I'm taking a course in cultural heritage, conservation and management. So ideally I would like to work with artifacts and get up close and personal with them, be the one that fixes and cares for these guys, put them in the museums. Uh, it's uh, super intensive, but loving every bit of it. Uh, hopefully I will be able to do my internship abroad if COVID allows, Greece ideally, but who knows. <laughs>
0: amazing. And then also Katie, you're from the area that our witch of the week is from, right? Like near Plum Hollow?
2: It, mm-hmm. Um she's close to Smith Falls. Um I'm I was kind of about like 40 minutes away from Smith Falls. We have another friend who was like 10 minutes away from where this lady was from, but uh you yeah, know, Smith Falls I just remember the Hershey's chocolate factory years and years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Again, back to food, but uh, yeah, Smith Falls is a cute and quaint little town. Um But once you keep driving south, I think southwest, it's way more rural. There's a cute little town with like one um, hockey arena called Athens. I mean, it's not the real Athens, but it's as good as it gets for Canada, apparently. (sighs) I would love to go
1: there someday. I I don't think I've actually ever been to Smith's Falls. And Ottawa, I've only been
0: to like one time. Hershey Mm, Factory is now a weed factory i think but we should we also go, go there to- it is all- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this- apparently go it's later. really good yeah didn't snoop dog uh sponsor it or something i did not really know that. that's pretty yeah. cool shout out to snoop dog i should fact check that before i post it <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> but- it sounds like him it's all about those connections
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh i really hope i'm not butchering this <laughs>
1: not at all you know what he should just be our next guest honestly I wonder (laughs) if we
0: can make that happen yeah
1: (laughs) fantastic
0: I think we shall begin our story now (laughs) I've never been on video Steph and I are never on video for this so no I know I'm a little nervous right now (laughs) I need to see your gorgeous face I miss you I need some sort of human connection here I shall try to do my best to get through this. I feel like I'm in a conference, but that's okay. (laughs) Let's begin. Rural Ontario has many folktales and legends. Today, we are going to talk about the famous and very real legend of Elizabeth Barnes. Otherwise known as Mother Barnes, she was a clairvoyant who lived in Leeds County, Ontario, near Canada's capital, Ottawa. Elizabeth Barnes was born Jane Elizabeth Martin around year 1794 in County Cork, Ireland. There is some dispute about her year of birth. It could have possibly been in November of 1800, but regardless, she was the seventh daughter of the seventh daughter and a wee one standing at not even five feet tall. Can I just chime in, though, and say that being the seventh daughter...
1: Of the seventh daughter is like a really good sign, and that should bring like so much luck. It's insane.
0: That and actually if, is what gave her her clairvoyant. Yeah. And if you I look mean,
2: on makes sense. like photos of her, she has like piercing, scary eyes, like eyes and like, those yeah,
0: things. Like yeah. Like Rasputin eyes, except <laughs> she's not evil. <laughs> Elizabeth fell in love with a man named Harrison, who was a young sergeant in the British Army. When her father disapproved of the two's relationship, they decided to elope and move to New York. There, they had a son named Robert Harrison Jr., and it seemed like things were going well for the new family. But unfortunately, Harrison passed away two years later, and Elizabeth married another man named David Barnes. David was a shoemaker from Connecticut, America, and the two of them moved to Canada in 1843, where together they cared for their nine children, six boys and three girls. The couple and their children ended up moving to an area called Sheldon's Corner in modern Canada, near the village of Plum Hollow. One thing I liked about this though, apparently Plum Hollow is part of a township named Bastard Township. The Bastard Township, so Governor John Graves Simcoe named the township after an
2: old and prominent family, the Bastards of Devonshire. This is where the Simcoes had their estate within England. Why would someone, like, (laughs) name a township after that, though? I'm wondering if it was, like, like, a family feud or, like, ah, these bastards. (laughs) I don't know. I
0: I think maybe when their last name was Bastard, I don't think maybe it was a bad word yet. You know, like stuff was it did it always have a bad connotation to it? I feel like you would know. Maybe it became I mean, a bad word because these people just were complete like That's what I'm Bastard. thinking. Quick Google search. That's Here we go. Bastard.
2: Famous English surname in the 11th century Norman French origins. William the mm-hmm. Conqueror, the Duke of Normandy was well known as William the Bastard. The original name holders may as well have been closely associated
1: with Yeah. Him. So it could also, have been
2: a a, a, mm-hmm. a a nickname that turned into a surname over time
1: yeah the word
2: bastard is from the old french
1: bastard which in turn bastard, i guess if you want to pronounce it cor- correctly which in turn was from medieval latin bastardus. in the modern french bâtard, uh the circumflex merely represents the loss of the s over time
0: um, so people, English people probably had this last name and it had nothing to do with the French. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The etymology
0: of it probably changed
2: over the years.
1: Like Trump, you know, that word has always existed. Trump. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Did anyone see how his actual name is like, well, not yes. actual name, like before they yeah. changed it, it was Trump. Hilarious. I know,
1: but I feel like, cause the word Trump already existed to be somewhat of a tri- triumphant word. I guess, and now I think
0: over time the word will be known to just be like awful. Oh, like have you seen that new new uh, Netflix show? I think it's called The History of Swear Words. Yeah, oh. I love it. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's actually yeah. pretty good. Check it's it on out. on Netflix.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna check that out. That sounds cool. Nicholas I don't know Cage where I is need the host. Nicholas
0: Cage is the host. Are you kidding me? Oh my god, <laughs> I'm excited now. Where were we? We were just finishing up where the family had moved to Bastard Township, and sadly, the two oldest sons, Josh and Thomas, died young, and the husband, David, ended up leaving his wife while the children were still small. He did take his youngest son with him, and they went to an area still close by near Smith's Falls. And I read that he might have ended up living with one of the older children that already had a family of their own. And Robert Jr., the son I mentioned previously from the first marriage, he joined the American army to become a colonel in the Civil War, but he died in Kansas. And so now to make ends meet for the rest of her family and children, Elizabeth got to work. She began doing fortune telling, reading tea leaves, and she believed she was a clairvoyant because of what Steph mentioned. She believed that being the seventh daughter of the seventh daughter gave her these abilities. And for her services, she charged 25 cents a reading, which was apparently a lot of money back then for fortune telling. Okay, so 25 cents back in like the 1800s is about
2: $5.25 today.
0: Oh, really? But I feel yeah, like yeah. if you lived in like a rural place, you wouldn't have like extra spending money to just oh, definitely not mm-hmm. do that
2: that's very true but five bucks for a
0: reading I'm I'm down (laughs) yeah I know I'll go yes please and one thing that I really liked about her charging 25 cents was that she was so so good at it she had customers coming in from all over Canada and America to do a reading from her and hundreds and thousands of people swore by her immaculate services and abilities to be accurate in her predictions. So she was pretty much a celebrity, but she never charged over her 25 cent fee. And even if you didn't have the money, occasionally she would also accept dried apples or dried tea leaves, which I found super cute. And these people would recount their stories and say that they went up her little creaky stairs in the cabin to find wee mother Barnes wrapped up in a cloak, ready with tea to read their fortunes. And they said she was super kind and quiet, but like I said, immaculately accurate. At first, she used her predictions and powers to just, you know, figure out who you're going to end up marrying or where you lost an item like somebody lost a wallet with $200 in it again a lot of money back then and he was probably freaking out about this lost sum and she was just like don't worry the person who stole your wallet they're gonna have a guilty conscience and you're gonna get your wallet with all your money back and that happened or sometimes a deed was lost, and that's a lot of money. And she was just like, the deed is placed in someone's shoe, you know? And it would be there. It would be exactly where she said it would be. Really? Man. There was another man from Barrie, Ontario, and he had a large plot of land, and he was trying to farm on it. And he came to Mother Barnes and was like, you know this this land isn't is pretty useless like i can't farm with it and she was like no hold on to it it's going to be worth a lot of money which obviously you wouldn't believe you would just think let me sell this land and start farming somewhere else but what ended up happening on that land was a gravel pit was put in And from mining gravel, like the land ended up being worth a large, large sum of money. Mm -hmm. So just a lot of stories like this. It was always in newspapers about Mother Barnes helped find a lost animal or Mother Barnes helped find someone's lover, you know, so it was pretty cool. And what I mean by when she found missing pets, just an example, is that she had this one customer. Again, this was put into the local newspapers because of how amazing the story was. But his sheep went missing and he went to Mother Barnes and was like, you know, like where did my sheep go? And she had informed him that the hides... Of the sheep, so the sheepskin was tacked onto the walls of a certain neighbor's stable. And the meat from the sheep was actually put in their cellar. And when he checked the certain stables from the neighbor, he found that indeed the hides of the missing sheep were on the wall exactly where she said they would be. And you know, like, how do you predict that? If, like, if they were like, she's lying, like, how do you?
1: That's very specific to just like ignore, you know, Mm -hmm. doesn't work like that. That's pretty interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: One of her super famous fortune tellings was with a customer that we actually know. Uh, He was a lawyer named John, local to the area. And Mother Barnes told him that he would become the first prime minister of Canada and a capital will be placed nearby in the town of Bytown by Queen Victoria. And this was a time where the land wasn't Canada yet, it was still called Upper and Lower Canada.
1: I think the constitution was what 1867? Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and amazingly, her prophecy actually came true. So, John. Was later known to us as Sir John A. Macdonald. He proceeded to become the first Prime Minister of Canada, and the capital was placed in Bytown. But that's not the capital that we know because the name of the town was later changed to Ottawa, which is what it is now. Um, but Katie, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that there is a huge, like Bytown Market or Bytown. Yeah, the Byward Market. Yeah, that's where. Oh right. Bi-word. Oh Byward. Yeah. Byward mm. Market yeah
2: food okay. little shops mm. little trinkets on the streets a lot of yeah. handmade
0: stuff with it which is really cool
1: it definitely still has something to do with the old name I mean if oh, yeah. if buys there right
0: yeah stuff so by word and Bytown town and all that that's the, so it's the area around the Ottawa River where Upper and Lower town are situated and both would have taken their name from a man named john by and he was a colonel in the british royal engineers and was of big importance during the time where they were organizing the street layouts and constructing the Rideau canal um, the Rideau Canal, if you haven't been, it's in Ottawa, and it's just this massive area of water that's super pretty today to walk by or skate on when it freezes. And like Katie said, that's where all the shops are. So everything would have came, like, all the by names were from John.
1: <laughs> that's pretty cool, though.
0: Mm-hmm. And now it gets pretty real. In 1863, the clairvoyant abilities of Mother Barnes was put to the ultimate test. A 17-year-old boy by the name of Morgan Dockstatter was missing and had not been seen since 1860, three years prior. He was very well liked and the neighbors knew him because him and his cousin had recently moved to the area and it was a small town so everyone knew everyone they worked together under Morgan's father, who was especially kind taking Edgar in. Edgar, the cousin, came from a rougher New York family with seven siblings and quite strict Dutch Reformed parents that might have not given him the proper support and attention that you give your son growing up. Edgar was about the same age as his cousin in this time. He was about 18 or 20, so maybe a year or two older. Together, they enjoyed fishing and hunting and were overall liked in the community, and they were just known as quite charming boys, you know? But after suspicion grew about the whereabouts of Morgan, Edgar, the cousin, ended up reporting him as accidental drowning, but no body was found, and the investigation went cold. With no evidence to help the case, police turned to Mother Barnes. As mentioned earlier with all the cases, she always was accurate in finding lost pets, lost items, so why not try her abilities to find a lost person? Mother Barnes said that the ghost of the boy came to her, so she knew he was passed away, and the ghost told her exactly where he could be found in the water of Lake Charleston. Upon police investigation, it was found exactly where she said it would be. The body was hidden under a tree, clearly a victim of foul play. And there was a bullet that had gone through his head that was noticed, but it wasn't fatal and apparently what happened was he thought he was accidentally shot in the back of his head, and he turned around, but then received a fatal blow to the head, breaking his skull and killing him. But Mother Barnes had already solved the murder, and she said that it was the cousin, Edgar Harder, who was guilty of the murder. And when you look in old newspapers or old sources, the names are a little bit different. Edgar Hart Sorry, Edgar Harder is sometimes spelled Edgar Hunter and the spelling of Statter, Morgan is sometimes spelled with a C, sometimes spelled CK, sometimes spelled with an X for docs. Yeah. Yes. A common thing that happens with recording last names
1: a lot of the time.
0: Yeah. If you can't yeah. write, you probably don't even know how to spell your yeah. own last name sometimes.
1: Yeah. A lot of people just wrote like how it was pronounced in different
2: ways. So. Phonetically, <clears throat> as much as I could.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Sorry,
2: what? Phonetically, just like oh. by sounding it out. Yeah.
0: Edgar Harder, or Hunter, however you'd like to say it, was taken to authorities to be tried and convicted and was found guilty of the crime. Remember, though, he had already told the authorities that he believed that Morgan was drowned, so he knew this whole time, obviously, what had happened, and the motive was perhaps a premeditated crime or maybe a dispute over a girl as newspapers like to tell but that part is all lost in history what we do know is that the two boys apparently rented a boat to go fishing and Edgar shot Morgan in the back of his head and when Morgan didn't die he turned around and looked at Edgar believing that his cousin had shot him accidentally But Edgar just finished the murder, and then he tied some stones to the body's head and feet, hoping the body would sink. That's when he told the police that he believed that it was a drowning because he thought he could get away with this crime. But a storm blew through, and the body was blown towards the shore. So Edgar confessed to the murder, and because he was of age, he was tried as an adult, and he was subsequently hanged for the murder in Brockville Jail. Why Brockville? That was the nearest big town, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's not too far.
2: It's just down, I think it's closer to the water.
0: Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and the weird thing about this, I guess it's not weird, but since Edgar was hanged, it's kind of hard to find his records because made public and easily accessible is only from around eighty. 1867 onwards and since he was hanged earlier and his trial was earlier it's a little harder to scrounge through and then newspapers do this super odd thing where i'm sure they're going to exaggerate some yeah but also so one article i was reading it mentioned in it like when they were talking about the murder it mentioned that morgan murdered edgar And I don't know how they published that or who edited it, because you can clearly like now looking back, you can clearly see like Morgan's grave is there. It said he died at 17 years old. Edgar's in jail being psychoanalyzed right now for a murder. And somehow they published that wrong in the newspaper article. Like, how does that fly? Also, how do you mix up a murder? You know, it's a murder.
1: Someone murdered someone. How do you just switch those two?
0: That's just disrespectful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But just going back and reflecting on this, one thing that I don't understand, well, I don't understand why he would murder someone in the first place, but Morgan turned around and he actually thought that his cousin accidentally shot him. And I think there Edgar could have had a chance to stop himself. Because his cousin looked at him probably in, straight into his eyes and was just like, what the heck happened? And instead of choosing to stop, you know, because he had a chance, mm-hmm. he was just like, no, I'm going to finish the job and I'm just going to murder him.
1: Yeah. Murder. Mm. Double blow right there.
0: That's, that sucks. It's yeah. hard. hmm I do know that morgan himself does have a tombstone in the area uh, with his family but i am not sure where edgar was placed after his death mother barnes however continued to help people coining her the name the seer of plum hollow she still found people's riches helped save their jobs found their lost pets and missing wallets and missing deeds and continued until her death she died in either February tenth, eighteen 1886, or 1891, making her, if she was born in 1800 and not earlier, at least 90 years old. She lived a long life and was laid to rest at Sheldon Cemetery, where three of her sons and some of her grandchildren were later buried as well. She was always remembered as a small, sweet little woman wearing her dark outfit to match her dark eyes, either cape or shawl around her, with a cup of tea in front of her. Thousands mourned her death. There was many newspaper articles again, and books written about her and about how she helped everyone. Many would miss her, including her descendants. In addition to her own family, she raised three orphans and when she died, she left sixty-eight direct living descendants, including Ooh, wow. seven yeah, seven, seven children. children? Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: seven oh what?
0: sorry. That seven following seven. Yeah. <laughs> seven children, forty-seven grandchildren, and fourteen great grandchildren
2: well done mother is multiplied
1: by two yeah wow busy lady i was but- <laughs> reading in
0: one of the sources
2: that one of her sons actually became mayor of smith falls in the late late 1800s like 1897 mm. maybe
1: he inherited the same powers as she did and that's how he became so successful Ooh,
2: maybe Lala. I also like that, um, because like when she was originally buried, there was nothing really indicating her grave site. It was unmarked, but it looks mm-hmm. like a lot of the locals just completely disagreed with that and actually gave her um a little monument to where her uh, to where mm-hmm. she's buried.
0: A proper little uh grave Recognition. Yeah. yeah. Um there's also a book written about her in eighteen 18- 92, a local writer, Thaddeus William Henry Levitt, published his short novel, The Witch of Plum Hollow, featuring Mother Barnes and her sixth sense, sixth sense, sixth, I can't say that
1: sixth word. Sixth sense, sixth sense, yeah, I know, it's it's, it's.
2: a. <laughs> and one of her, um grandsons writes a little burb on WordPress I don't know how legit it is but I guess he remembers um, he's writing some of his memories about the log log cabin where she was living and um, just her her secrets
0: (laughs) it's cute it's really cute and I really like and appreciate how many people see Mother Barnes in more of a positive manner you know like I was telling Steph earlier that a lot of people who were believed to have been witches, even if they weren't, as you saw in our previous episodes, they were, you know, either killed or very, very disliked in the community. And it's really nice seeing somebody that, you know, she helped solve a murder instead of well, getting murdered for being a witch, so. I'm, I'm going to throw in a real quick quote that I found from
2: the Ottawa Journal, dated 1953. Though the title of witch may sound sinister, her name is honored and revered in the district of which she lived. That sounds really pretty.
1: Aww. <laughs> really that's nice i think
2: this is like the first story of respect and true esteem of a woman of great prominence like that normally with witches you get so many negative connotations from history but this is where one is like she's a businesswoman she took pride in that and she she did really well I'm wondering though that like because in the 1860s there's a lot of Victorian popular trends like the rise in mysteries so you get like fortune telling seances yeah photo film with little light um distortions so it looks like they're ghosts so I'm wondering mm-hmm. if she like hopped on this popular trend with possible actual gifts that she has and took like a good marketing tool I'm like well for sure like
1: that's probably what made her so comfortable with it is that people were um really we're into that were, <laughs> we're so, yeah. for that yeah yeah they were obsessed with like the macabre as well like just anything that was basically out of the ordinary i think people really liked and they wanted to know more about right like yeah. she solved crime buried treasures future lovers lost lovers a future capital of Canada like yeah and who wouldn't yeah. want to know that <laughs> yeah yeah um, but something I wanted to mention that was kind of cool and interesting is that um, the Canadian criminal code that actually didn't change until like two years ago basically it was against the law for pretending to practice witchcraft but that could go both ways still because basically it's saying that like, if you pretend to act to exercise or to use any kind of witchcraft, sorcery, enchantment, or conjuration, or undertakes for, a con- for a consideration to tell fortunes or pretends from his skill in, or knowledge of an occult or crafty science to discover where, or in what manner, anything that is supposed to have been stolen or lost may be found. So the criminal code, I think, was created in 1892. So this is after the fact. But this law didn't change until two years ago. This also means even if somebody, let's say like today or two years ago, or sorry, I guess three years ago since 2018 was three years ago. But if somebody like read your fortune and it was wrong, you could potentially say like this person is pretending to do this and you could basically charge them for that, which is pretty insane. So anybody who believes their skills to be real, they could still kind of get charged because it it could technically not be real. It was very odd. Yeah. That,
2: yeah. That's very weird.
1: Yeah. And it, it's weird to me that, that that wasn't changed until like three years ago. Like <laughs> there, must super have been, recently.
0: Yeah. there must have been a lot of people trying to swindle the system with doing Mm -hmm. fake fortune telling i mean like you walk down toronto and there's like 20 signs on one street sometimes being like fortune being sold here like especially around like queen street in those areas there's a lot of like little fortune Mm -hmm. shops so the fact that it could be technically illegal now that's quite interesting
1: my grandma basically did the same thing um growing up as well or like when she was a young adult she used to read people's fortunes with cards she used to read their palms i'm not sure about tea leaves but i think she's mentioned it a couple of times um and then like eventually she had to stop because it would just get too intense sometimes and like she would also um cleanse a person's new home whenever they moved in or like people would bring her in to check to see if there were any spirits in there and stuff oh sweet yeah and like people would pay her to do this but she had to stop just because it was impacting her life too much um especially because of the things she found out and a lot of the things she knew were disturbing and stuff and then also like my dad and my uncle so like she used to read their cards and then they had to they no longer want it because she's right every single time and it was like too accurate so they like never get their cards done now yeah (laughs)
2: I love it. Yeah. I found, um, it's crazy how much information is on this woman. I thought I did all my research, but clearly I did not. There's a lot more to learn. There There
1: can never be enough research ever. Never
2: never enough research. No. Yeah. It looks like um, last June, the cabin that she bought, um, the property was put up for sale. I don't know what has happened since then, but I guess the previous owner was restoring the cabin um, and the structure. And then um, I guess it's been changed Mm. for historical significance or local historical significance and it's up for sale.
0: I saw that too. So you can actually see her wood cat. You can't go in it because it's private property, but you can drive by mm-hmm. it, and <laughs> it's so cute. It's on Mother Barnes Road. Like it's most precious. <laughs> it's so little. It's like a
1: cute little cat. Oh my goodness! I mm-hmm. want to live there. So Uh, I I would like to live there and like have her ghost haunt me, but in, in a good way and a good way, (laughs) we would be best friends. And she would like, tell me things that are extremely important, you know, be a teacher.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You could be like, oops, where's my phone? And she'll be like, I can find lost things. Here's your phone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I saw in uh, 2016, I saw like a selling price and it's It's an affordable price, but it's also a very small log cabin in the middle of nowhere. But what I thought was kind of cool or creepy, I don't know how you want to take this, but the taxes were $666.
2: Ooh.
1: Ooh.
0: (laughs) Of course.
2: Yeah. So uh, my parents moved out a little closer to the area on a maple syrup farm. And um, the woman who previously lived there, her name is Carol Bennett, I believe, Not the famous actress, comedian, but a different one. She was a historical writer um, with nonfiction. She wrote about this property that my parents now live on. But she lived there alone for like 30 years. And I guess she passed away in the bathroom that's in front of the kitchen. And Kayla, you've been to that house. Have you felt like I've, I've never felt anything bad. I've always felt good presence there. But like, I'm wondering if I should try and... I Maybe have goosebumps time. and I, I need to go to that house.
0: I yes, need to go do. to that house. Yes, you do. Yeah. Katie, you're the bathroom thing. Like normally I think that would like freak me out as I'm going to sleep, but it was so peaceful. And like when you walk into your property, it kind of just feels like very like welcoming. And I know it's also your house, like you and your family are very welcoming. <laughs> well. But it was just like immediately you felt a sense of like home
2: when you were. Yeah. Like, I've never felt any presence it's, it's definitely a homey feeling and a warm feeling I think also because like my parents are treating the property really well like they're mm-hmm. taking really good care of it they're making maple syrup which is the coolest thing I've seen <laughs> um, but yeah there's there's it hasn't been any unexplained things happening yeah. as of yet
1: disturbances but- even though it's not a disturbing thing i don't think yeah yeah no negative connotation for the disturbance (laughs) okay do not get a ouija board ever Um, no way (laughs)
0: absolutely
1: (laughs) not don't do that at all you're already at
0: peace don't invite bad juju
1: exactly no bad juju no thank you
0: but i am happy that we covered a witch in good light
2: Yes. yes, the first one I've actually have come across that's fairly recent but really respected and renowned mm-hmm. and rejoiced like she she was popular I don't she I don't was. think I can fully grasp the idea of like she she was popular
0: Yeah I'm really happy that we covered her and honestly I think it's a great episode that Katie you helped. Do because it's just like very heartwarming. And I feel like for a first guest episode, this was a really nice one to do. So thank you for that. Thank you guys so much for having me on this
2: podcast. But it was so good to talk to you. And I really cannot wait to see your faces in person. It's been way too long. Way we too need long. to fix this. Agreed. Agreed.
0: Thank you so
1: awesome. much for coming on today.
0: Thank you for joining us. Yeah. And we appreciate all our guests as well for listening to us talk about the Plum Hollow Witch. Hopefully we portrayed her as best as possible. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to rate and subscribe to us. Thank you once again, Katie, for being a guest on this episode. I know we always leave sources at the end here for this episode in particular. I would recommend Googling Plum Hollow Witch or Mother Barnes, as there are numerous pages and pages of newspaper articles written about her. If you would like to send us a message, please feel free to email us at witchstorypodcast at and follow us on social media at at witchstorypod. Thank you again, and we hope to see you next week. Bye, everyone.